0: good morning that was great for me but can we praise the lord one more time is that okay he's the king of kings he's the lord of all and i'm so excited that i get to be with you all this morning um a little bit about me i am 27 so don't get nervous the word will still go forth in power um i was born in ghana west africa and i was raised in staten island new york and for the past two years, I've had the privilege to serve the beautiful people in Ivory Coast, West Africa. And this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. And we're reading from the story of when Jesus sends out the 72 disciples. And the whole story is from verses 1 to 24. But be for sake of time, we're going to hop around a little bit. Is that okay? Is that all right? Okay, but everybody reads their Bible, right? This is, I don't even need to look at them. I could just see from Pastor David. (laughs) But I want to encourage you to read your word. It's good. It's good to have the one that we carry. But the physical Bible, there's just something about it. There's something about it. So let's pray. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, God, that you're in this place. And Father, even as we come before you, Lord, with open hearts and open minds, we ask, O oh Lord, that you would speak today, that you would speak to the hearts of your people, Jesus. Let it not be me, Lord, but all of you. Let it go forth in power and do that which you destined it to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're reading from verse 1, and it says this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few therefore pray earnestly to the lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field and then jesus goes on to instruct them all the way to verse 12 about what they should do as they enter each town those that they accept them and those that don't right he gives them instructions and then from 13 to about 16 he then continues to talk about those towns that have already rejected the truth of the gospel And we pick it up in verse 17. And I want you to help me. It says, the 72 returned with sorrow. The 72 returned with joy. They returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over some of the power all of the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. But then watch this. He says in verse 20, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Amen? Then Jesus responds to this wonderful news in prayer to the Father. And in verse 23 and 24, these are our key verses. It says, Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Amen. As I was preparing to come home um, for itineration, which is just means a time when you come back and raise support for funds to go back to where you are, where you're located. For me, that's Ivory Coast and I'm I'm type A. I don't know if I'm the only one in here that's type A. It's okay. We don't have to raise our hands. But I had to do everything, right? So I'm labeling everything. I have suitcases all over my room. And I began to talk to the Lord. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to talk about? And in true fashion, I gave him options because, you know, God doesn't know. (laughs) So I said, Lord, what about the time when we took water filters and we planted that church in the Muslim village and we spoke to all those kids and they started singing praises in the streets. And and God, what about this and what about that? And God is so gracious that he let me finish. And then he asked me this. He said, well, what do you see? And I was like, God, I'm in my room. There's a whole bunch of stuff here. Everything's disorganized. He said, (laughs) In all that you just said, what have you seen? I said, oh, Lord, I've seen Jesus. I've seen Jesus take Muslim taxi drivers in just a five-minute ride and transform their hearts, see their hearts softened to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've seen market ladies who have done nothing but just, just all they do is serve and they don't have a name and they're just called the market lady. And they've seen their identity shift because of the news of Jesus Christ. I've seen children that sometimes are too cool to worship the Lord, surrender their lives completely for Jesus Christ because they've encountered him. I've seen Jesus. And this morning, he asked me to ask you this morning, what do you see? When you're shopping, when you're getting your nails done, when you're dropping off the kids, on your way to work or coming home, even in your home, what do you see? In order for us to get a clear picture of our main text today, I believe we need to see before and after. So Luke chapter 9 ends with a group of people in verses 57 to 62 that say, Jesus, I want to follow you. But as soon as they say that they want to follow him, there are also those that have an excuse for why they can't. And in today's world, that would be something like this. I love Jesus, but... Or I follow Jesus, but... There's a lot of buts in the room, in the place where, somebody got it, in somewhere, the place where our commitment is supposed to be. And when we pick up the scripture from verse chapter 1 in in chapter 10, we see that there are another group of people. And it literally says in verse 1, he says, he appointed 72 others, which means that these are not the ones that they were talking of in chapter 9. And I began to wonder, Lord, what is the difference between these two groups of people? And as we go back through chapter 9, you'll see that this is where Jesus is doing miracles. And there's a group, a crowd of people following him wherever he may go. And in this book, we can see that this group of people, they see Jesus. They see that he's good because they see what he comes with. They see the miracles. They see the signs and the wonders. But they didn't see him as a priority in their lives. But with these 72 others, we don't even get to see the conversation because immediately in verse one, Jesus is speaking to them and he's giving them instruction and he's sending them out to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the kingdom is at hand, that he is coming. So I began to wonder, Lord, what is the difference? So one group sees him as good. But not as a priority, but this other group not only saw Jesus as just Jesus, this good guy, but they saw him as master. They saw him as Lord. They saw him as worthy of sacrificing it all to follow after him. And it reminded me of my own testimony. You see, I grew up in Staten Island, as I shared with you earlier. And I grew up in a church very beautiful like this one. And I was on the dance team. And I remember being at the dance team, leading at the altar, and I was 18 years old at the time and had been in the church all my life. I actually enjoyed church. Like, I love church. (laughs) And one morning as we were dancing to a very popular song, How Great Is Our God, I remember hearing a voice say to me, do you really believe that? Well, first of all, who's talking to me? (laughs) Because I've never had that experience before. And second of all, of course, I've been in the church my whole life. The following question was, then why don't you live like it? And immediately I felt face to face with my sin. I felt dirty. I felt as if I couldn't, I couldn't, wasn't able to stand in this presence of this being. And it felt like love. It felt like perfect love. It felt like holiness had walked into the room. And here I was in my shame. And the Lord asked me to surrender it all to him. That was the moment that I encountered Jesus Christ and everything changed. I no longer saw him as this good guy, but I saw him as Lord and master of all. And I believe that today, in order for us to truly say that, yes, we are followers of Jesus, we must see Jesus Christ rightly. Amen. So in our text today, what happens When we see Jesus, I believe that three things happen quickly. First, we see our sin. We see that we are in need of a Savior. In in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 18, and I want to preface this by saying this is not a scripture that we often quote because it doesn't make us feel good. Right? Because usually we want the things that make us feel good. (laughs) And then we just go about our day. But the Bible is not supposed to make us feel good. It's supposed to transform us into the image of Christ. And it says this. It says, as it is written and forever remains, there is none righteous. There is not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. No, not one. It says their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. The venom of asps is beneath their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and they have not known the paths of peace. It says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Can can we be honest today? That's not just that weird coworker that keeps annoying you, or even that annoying neighbor But that's all of us, that is humanity. None of us are good, none of us are righteous. But I'm so grateful that there is a God in heaven that saw us in our filth (laughs) and stepped in to save us, amen? In verses 22 to uh, to 25, it says this, that the righteousness of God through faith is is in Jesus Christ is for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom put forth as a propitiation by his blood or a solution to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Do you know when, Jesus, when the Lord sees you that he doesn't see you in your filth? he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. And I think for many of us, we think that every time we come into the church that it's just me. I'm just trying it all over again. But the Lord says, come, 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 and I will cleanse you. I will wash you by my blood. I've already done it on the cross. All you need to do is surrender your life to me. And I believe this is why in verse 2 of Luke chapter 10, he says, the harvest is plentiful. Jesus is pretty much saying that there are so many people that need me, so many people bound by addiction, bound in brokenheartedness, bound by sin, and they're looking for everything else to satisfy when all they need is Jesus. All they need is me. All they need is me. And the sad part is that I don't think that those people are only outside of the church, But some of them are right here in our church, in our pews. Church, if we're being honest today, for some of us that have grown up in the church, sometimes we become desensitized to the gospel. We become, it comes normal. This is what we do, but God is still God. He is still King of Kings and Lord of all, and there is none like him. So when we look at him and when we see him for who he truly is, we can't help, like Pastor David said, to respond with praise. We can't help but to respond and tell everyone of this good news because you know that good news is only good news if it arrives on time. Did you know that? If it's late, it's not good news, <laughs> But the Lord has called us not only to be cleansed, not only to be saved, but then to be used, to be sent. Amen. Number two, when we see Jesus rightly, we see his authority. In verses 17 to 20, it says the 72 returned with. Oh, come on, family. The 72 returned with oh. joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he tells them, he says that I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorp- scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Can we pause for a moment? I want to give clarity in this text because serpents and scorpions, he's not just talking about animals. He's not just talking about animals, but they are in reference to the dangerous forces of the spiritual realm demons are real they don't just live in Africa (laughs) or in around the world in some other countries but they are here and the bible is very clear in Ephesians chapter 6 he says that we do not fight against flesh and blood but against the principalities and the rulers of the air this present age So that means that he's given us authority. Why? So that we can know that we can speak to these things with the authority, not in my name, not in your name, but in Jesus Christ's name. Because at the mention of his name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. That's the authority that we have. The first night when I arrived in Ivory Coast, Um, We had traveled all the way from the capital city um, to where I live in Dalawa, and it's about a six or seven hour drive. And like I said, I'm type A, so the the bags were calling me. I had to unpack them. So I unpacked everything and I put them away. And I remember it wasn't a night of travailing prayer. I wasn't casting things out that same night. So I thought, and I did just a simple prayer. I thanked the Lord for allowing me to be in the country and just an expectancy of what he was going to do. And as soon as I said amen, I heard a voice as clearly as I'm speaking to you say these words, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Things will never change here and you will never rest here. And as quickly as I heard it with my eyes still closed, I said, I am a child of God and I believe that lives will be transformed here and the kingdom of God will be planted in this place in the name of Jesus. Amen. Two minutes later, I was fast asleep, (laughs) fast asleep. And once again, it's not because of anything that I've done, but because I know who I am in Christ, because we need to know who we are in Christ. Because if not, the world will tell you. We've seen it. And the Bible is very clear that children of God, who are we? Sometimes we need to remind ourselves who we are. And a lot of times we don't look any different from the people in the world. If we're being honest, the same worries, the same cares, the same weight on our shoulders when we have a heavenly father that says, cast all your burdens on me for I care for you, that says that I've given you authority over these things, but we've listened to the lie of the enemy and say, well, I'm no better than anyone else. You are not just anybody. Can you turn to the person next to you and say, I'm not just anybody? A little louder like you believe it. I'm not just anybody. I'm a child of God. You are children of God, the Most High God. That doesn't mean you won't suffer. That doesn't mean you won't go through things, but you have an anchor for your soul that gives you peace and strength in the midst of it all, that there has to be something about you that's different than the world. And his name is Jesus. Amen? And as we continue in the scripture, he says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice. Yes, you're going fi- to go through all these things. And yes, you're going to have to cast demons out. And yes, you're going to have to speak to these things. But that is not where our joy is. Our joy is in our Jesus who says he prepares a place for us. He says he writes our name. And who has authority to do that? Only him. We see his authority, the authority that is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Lastly, when we see Jesus, we see his compassion. And I have a few friends that are going to come and help me at this time. In Luke chapter 10, verse 23, it says, Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. And as I shared with you in the beginning of the, of, the, of, the day, of the sermon, that in order for us to get a true picture of what Jesus is trying to tell the disciples, we need to know what happens before and what comes after. So I have these wonderful gentlemen here, gentlemen here today that are going to expli- show you the story of the Good Samaritan. It comes right after verse 24 and verses 25 to the end of chapter 10. And it talks about there was a man. That was on his way on the road when suddenly he was beaten by robbers. I need a robber. I need a robber. I need a robber. There he is. Okay. And he's beaten on the road <laughs> and he's left for dead. And as he's laying there in his wounds, b- beaten and bruised, there is another man that comes by and he would be the religious leader. Those, he was probably on the way to the synagogue. And the Bible says that he looked and walked on by. That's a good walk. (laughs) The Bible continues to say that there was a Levite, the ones that lead us into worship in the synagogue, and he saw the man too, and then he kept on going by. And he actually kept looking too. He just kept on going. But lastly, there was the Samaritan. And if you know anything about the Bible, you know that the Samaritans and the Jews were like oil and water. They were seen as not being holy. They were seen as unable to do anything of God. But Jesus says that the Samaritan not only saw the man, but he bound up his wounds. He picked him up, (laughs) he takes him to the hotel, and he even pays for his food. And the Bible says that he goes back to take care of everything else. Would you give our actors a hand? Thank you so much. God bless you guys. And what is Jesus trying to tell us in this story? The 72 have already went out and they've returned with joy. And now he tells them this story. And I believe that he tells them this story to remind them that he's not asked us to have a religious spirit. He's not asked us to just be comfortable in the synagogue, to be comfortable in the church, and just be comfortable saying that I'm a Christian. But he tells them the story so that they would have eyes to see the way that Jesus saw us. Because Jesus saw us, he came down and died on the cross for your sins and for mine. Because it's not his will that any should perish, but that all would have eternal life with him. He sees us with love, with compassion, and he's called his believers, his followers, to have the same eyes. Amen? To have the same eyes. You're going to see the picture of um, this, this building and it's actually an Assemblies of God church that we were able to plant probably 40 minutes away from where we live. And the pastor of this church had called me and we had gotten close because we were, he works with children. He loves children. And part of my ministry is next generation ministry. So youth, young adults and kids. And he called and he said, hey, we have a problem. Our area is always filled with waterborne illnesses plague their church. So any other, every other Sunday, they could be 10 or 15 members not in the church, not because it's raining outside, not because it's too cold, literally because they are sick and they cannot move. And he said, we need help. So long story short, we were able to go in with Africa Oasis and, and give the church these water filters so that they could take it out into the community. So because when we take it, let the church do it, local lasts longer. So not only do they have a reference of where they received, but not, they can also have living water that only Jesus gives. Amen. So after the 10 days of training them and how to use um, the water filters, I remember at the Sunday, a lot of times, because we plant the church, people love talking to us after the service and just getting to know us and all of that and asking for prayer. And I realized that there was a gentleman off to the side. And he was dressed a little bit differently than everybody else. And he kept him like to himself very isolated. So after a while, I went over to him and said, hey, is there anything that that I can help you with or anything I could do for you? And he said, if you if it wouldn't be a bother, could you just pray for me? So I said, sure. I went in and I got my fiance and we came out and he began to explain his problem. And I want to preface this by it. it could be a little explicit. So he said that he had a boil on his shin For the course of the month, it had grown from just a small little pimple size to it covering the whole entirety of his leg. He was in so much pain, and this village is known for being a farming town, so they get their money and food all from the farms, and because of the pain, he wasn't able to go to the farms any longer. So he actually called the capital city and asked if there were any jobs or any openings, and every time he would get denied, and he'd been dealing with this for two months. He said, "I just need prayer." So as he was sharing this with me, with us, um, the Lord says to me, "You're going to put your hand on the boil." I said, "Jesus, it's a boil. <laughs> I'm still flesh, y'all." <laughs> he said, "You're going to put your hand on the boil." So in obedience, I went down and I put my hand on the boil and my fiance's praying and I'm praying in tongues and the Holy Spirit says that this is not a physical ailment, this is spiritual. But I am gonna heal him. But he must tell everyone of what I do for him. So I follow in the obedience, right? I come up and I tell him what the Holy Spirit tells me and, and then we we part ways. I wash my hands and then <laughs> and then we part ways. So he, uh, the next following weekend was my birthday weekend, and we had just done probably four months straight of of just ministry and traveling and going around. So um, I had requested just the weekend to just rest and and just recuperate and just spend time with the Lord. And I remember the day before my birthday, my fiance called me, and I was like, he's such a good man. He called me, and I'm like, hello, and he's like, are you sitting down? I need to tell you something. I was like, what did you get me? I'm not even there. You're so sweet. He's like, What? (laughs) Just, just, I got to tell you something. Do you remember Joel? And we're going to use that name for the, for the sake of the story. And I said, we, we meet a lot of people, baby. He said, Joel from Yamanu. And I said, oh, yes. Is everything okay? What's, what's happening? He says, you won't believe it. I just got off the phone with him. And he said that when he was leaving the church after he prayed for him, that there was a lady from the church that said, we're tired of seeing you like this. Just go to the hospital. Stop walking around like that. And he said he felt a sense of shame, but something inside of him said to just go home. So he went home, and he said a few minutes after he arrived that he felt a sharp pain in the area of the boil. So he rolled up his pants, and then this is the explicit part. It bursted. And as he's trying to clean up the, 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 all of the things that are coming out, he's trying to clean it up and trying to clean it up. And at the end of it all, the wound was dried up. The next day he goes to the doctor to get it checked out to make sure there isn't any further infection or or anything to do. And when he gets there, the doctor looks at it and he said, well, did you fall or something? There's nothing here. He said, don't worry about it, doctor. Thank you so much. God bless you. And then the following day, he receives a call from the capital city saying, hey, can you get here by next week? We have a job opening for you. And he says, how's my fiance? Like, hey, I just want to let you know that I've been telling everybody in the village and everybody in this bus of what the Lord has done for me. You see, Joel was off to the side. Yeah, we can praise the Lord for that because the Lord that we serve, he still heals. He still saves. He's still the same God yesterday, today and forever. And all we have to do is come to him surrender it to him say God give me eyes to see give me eyes to see the way you see Joel probably could have been staying there for the rest of the service that lady from the church probably could have kicked him made him feel like I can can never come back but the Lord gave us eyes to see and it's not because we're special but because we've surrendered our lives to Jesus and when you surrender your lives to Jesus he makes the difference. Amen? He makes the difference. So if as we stand together this morning, I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord. I don't know maybe if this is your first time. You're like, who's this crazy girl talking about Jesus so much? I want you to know that it's not an accident that you are here. The Bible says that no one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws him. And if you're here today, it's because the Lord has a word for you. And maybe you're just tired of doing the same old, same old, and you've never really encountered Jesus Christ for yourself. With every eye closed, and every head bowed, would you talk to your God? Would you say, Lord, here I am. I'm tired of the routine. I'm tired of just doing the same old things. I want to live out that which you have purposed for my life, Jesus. I don't just want to be comfortable being saved, but Lord, would you send me? Would you send me? Would you use me in my job? Would you use me in my school? Lord, would you have your way so that I would rejoice that not only my name is written in heaven, but the names of my family members? the names of my friends, the names of those that I probably have never even known yet. And if you have unsaved loved ones in this place, would you raise your hand? Thank you, Lord. As I begin to pray, would you lift up their names and pray for them? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, O Lord, for who you are, and your word is very clear that it's not your will that any should perish. And all over this room, oh God, there are hands raised of those that have unsaved loved ones, of those that have yet to encounter Jesus Christ for themselves. And Father, right now we intercede on behalf of them, oh God, and ask that you would draw them by your spirit. Ask that you would draw them by your spirit. You would send people their way, oh Lord, that they would encounter you in the name of Jesus. Give them dreams. Give them visions, oh God, for our neighbors, oh Lord. Let them see you in us, oh God. You said that you've given us a commandment to love and by our love that we they would know that we are your disciples so father in the name of jesus i pray oh god for boldness for those whose hands are raised i pray oh lord that you would give us a power and an authority that only comes from you jesus that though the lies of the enemy the doubts and the fears that oh maybe they don't want to hear the gospel or maybe they don't want this lord they are crying out for more of you Father, would you use your people today? Would you use your people today and draw them by your spirit? In Jesus' name.